this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Amen. That's a a brief overview of the, the work of Global University and the work that Susan and I are engaged in. And I would encourage each of you to stay after service for just a, a couple of three minutes after, after the service and watch another video that I want to share with you that we can't record that will give you some more information about work in difficult places uh, that Global University is a part of. If you would this morning, open your scriptures up to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and if we could put the PowerPoint up. My message to you this morning is embedded inside a report about what Susan and I have been doing for the past several years in our ministry. Uh, And like I say, I have a message and I want to update you and show you what we've been doing. The title of my message is Discipling Good Servants of Jesus Christ. A missionary journey. You see, Susan and I knew from the very beginning that the Lord was calling us to a teaching ministry to help make disciples for Jesus Christ so that we could take students that God has called into this last day's harvest. We could take men and women that He wants to train and prepare, train them, get them ready, send them out, and that they would do the work of the ministry all over the world in their own culture, in their own language, in their own groups. And we feel like the the gospel message is much more effective when it's preached by someone that you recognize, someone that speaks your language, someone that shares your history, your culture, your background. And so that is what God has called Susan and I to do, is to take these men and women and train them. Next slide. Now, as you can see, this is a picture of Susan and I uh, at a global university graduation. As I shared, we're from Grand Junction, Colorado. We're born and raised there. We lived there until God called us at age 46 to go out into the ministry field. Our friends told us, you know, you guys are nuts. You're quitting career jobs. Now, in a few more years, you could just retire. But we told them, God didn't call us a few years from now. God's called us now. So we, we, we quit our jobs, we went out and we began itinerating, we raised our money, and the Lord took us to South Africa. And, and, and in South Africa, we very quickly began to learn that God was preparing us for even a greater teaching ministry. And he also began to solidify in our hearts exactly why he had called us to that teaching ministry. And I'm going to share that exactly why with you in just a moment. But before I do, let's switch gears and let's read this text from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now I'm going to do something that's a bit unusual in many modern churches this morning. I'm going to read an entire chapter of the Word of God so that you can get the context of what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. You see, I'm a seminary teacher. I teach hermeneutics and biblical interpretation. And and, and just like in real estate, I used to sell real estate. Any realtors in the room? What's the first three rules of real estate? 
Location, 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 right? Well, the first three rules in biblical interpretation is context, context, context. And so we're going to read enough of Paul here that we can get the context. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Next slide. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Next slide. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Next slide. Father, please open our hearts and our ears to what the Spirit would say to each of us this morning. God, anoint me to speak the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the first slide that you see here is our missionary journey. And as I shared with you, it began in South Africa. Uh, wonderful students. We loved our students in South Africa. We taught there for several years. But very quickly after I began to work with our South African students, I realized that almost none of them actually knew the scriptures. Very few of them, even pastors who had been pastoring for years, did not really understand what they was reading. They didn't really have a grasp on the text or the context that many of them had never actually read a whole book of the Bible. Now, maybe they had read Obadiah or something, you know, one little page. But, but you know, a book like Matthew was, was an astronomical reading task to them. And so they had never read the Bible. They had never read the books of the Bible. They didn't know the scriptures. And, and to show you why this is so important, I went to a revival meeting one night with some students who had begged me to go with them, and we went, and they put us right on the front row. And this man is preaching along. And, and, and this is following about two hours of worship that I would barely call worship. It was, it was really more of a crazy party than it was worship 
to the Lord. And this man begins preaching and suddenly he stops and he raises his hands up to the congregation and he says, oh, I've just received a mighty anointing from God. I've received a mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit and I will sell it to you for $20. Think about what he's saying. Now, he actually said 200 rand. The South African currency is rand. And at that time, it was about uh, 10 to 1, so we had $20. And two young women come running out from the side of the platform. They spread a big sheet down on the ground in front of him. And he says, just bring your money, throw it down in that sheet, and I'll anoint you. And then he would begin touching people. He would say, you're anointed, and you're anointed, and you're anointed, and you're anointed. And as quick as everybody, we're talking about seven or 800 people gathered there. As quick as everyone that was going to throw down the equivalent of $20 finished, he said, oh, church, he said, I've got some anointing left for $10. And then $5. And I hope you're as appalled by that as I was then. You see, the reason that those South Africans who had gathered there for that service fell for that, is they didn't know the Word of God. They didn't know the Jesus of the Bible. They didn't know the God of the Bible. They didn't know His love. They didn't know His saving grace. But many of them were sick. They're desperate, living in shacks. They're ignorant, no education. Their children are dying. They're hungry. All kinds of circumstances. And anybody in a fancy suit and a fancy car shows up and tells them that they can have what he has. All they've got to do is bring money and suddenly there's going to be some anointing from God that solves all of your problems. And he takes the people who are the most desperate and preys on them and takes their last few dollars away from them. Because they're so desperate for something supernatural, something real in their life, something eternal in their life, something that they can count on. And church, the only thing that stands between you and them is your knowledge of the Word of God. I tell people all over the world, if you want to hear from God... Read your scriptures. If you want him to speak to you, read the book. He's revealed himself in those scriptures. You need to know it. You need to read it. You need to put it in your heart. You need to put it in your mind so the Holy Spirit can illuminate it. Because the only thing that prevents you from being led astray or somebody making merchandise of you the way those people were made merchandise of is your knowledge of the word of God. Not Pastor Nate's, not mine, your knowledge of the Word of God. You need to learn it. Next slide. As I ship, shift back to the text we read, you see, Paul tells us that in this last days, there are going to be false teachers that arise. Just like that man that I went to that night in Africa used those people. There are people all over the Christian world today who are using the church, who are, who are using the ignorant, who are using the desperate and making merchandise of them. You see, the atheist that stands out on the street corner, he's not going to fool you. He's screaming he hates God or that there is no God. 
You're not going to be fooled by anything, he says. Or, or the woman who's had multiple abortions and says it's her body and her right and, and she can do whatever she wants. She's not fooling any of us. We see right through her. We know she's an unbeliever. We know she's ungodly. We're not deceived by that. But the person who shows up in religious clothing, saying all the right things, doing all the right things, he's the one you've got to watch out for. And that's what Paul is warning us about. Not the brazen atheist, but the false teacher within the church. The man who's twisting and manipulating you and the scriptures. And the only way you're going to know it is if you've put the word of God into your heart and into your mind. And the Holy Spirit then takes that word of truth that you put in you. And he illuminates it to your mind. And you know because you've been handling the truth that he's trying to feed you a lie. Don't be fooled. Know the word of God. It's so important. Next slide. Paul tells us that these deceitful, these false teachers, that they've sold out to deceitful spirits, to demonic spirits. Uh, in Paul's day, what they, had, what they were doing is they were teaching a kind of a false asceticism. That you're like, if you're, you're like the monk that goes and withdraws from society and lives in a cave. Okay, that if you abstained from marriage, there was no marital relationships in your life at all, that somehow that would make you more acceptable to God, more holy to God, and you would kind of have the inside track with the Lord because you had abstained from marriage and sexual relationship with your wife. And of course, we know that God created marriage. That, that, that it, it's, it's wonderful for a man and a woman to get together in a covenant relationship and bear children and, and build the kingdom of God through their offspring. And that it was God ordained from the very beginning that men and women would have these marital relationships. It doesn't make you more holy and it doesn't gain you any favor with God not to be married. But that's what they were teaching. In our day, that's really quite the opposite. Nobody teaches that you shouldn't get married. But in today's teachings, it's you can get married over and over and over again. You can have as many wives, as many husbands. You can marry the same sex, the opposite sex. You can change sex. Even some places now they're advocating having children for sexual partners. The idea is exactly the same as what Paul was dealing with, although the circumstances have changed. What makes you holy before God is that you've come to that place of repentance where you've renounced your life of sin and you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, and you've become a follower of Jesus Christ and your holiness is in Christ and only in Christ. We merit no favor with God and we never will. It is all by grace because we are in Christ Jesus. The other thing the false teachers were teaching in Paul's day was the abstaining of certain kinds of food. You know, if you ate only vegetables, you know, it somehow gained you favor with God. Of course, we know that is not true. Uh, another place in the scriptures, it says it's not what goes into a man that makes him unholy. It's what comes out of his heart that makes him unholy. Paul called these false teachers, said they were in opposition to God, just as the false teachers today are in opposition to God. 
and to recognize them. You've got to know the Lord. You've got to know the scriptures. You've got to study them. Make work out of it so that you will know the truth when you hear it and you will know the lie when you hear it. Next slide. This is a picture of Susan and I in China teaching several years ago. Uh, we had the opportunity to teach several classes there. We actually taught a class on biblical principles of marriage. And, and a wonderful class. Susan taught it several times. Um, students enrolled and re-enrolled, and they just loved the idea of Western principles of marriage, biblical principles of marriage, and our ability to teach those students. As you can see, some of them even dressed up and did role-playing as a part of the class. And we were so blessed that a couple of those students were baptized in water and accepted the Lord as their Savior. And we've even got to meet with them since, one in particular right here in Colorado, who's still serving the Lord and was going back there into Asia to preach the gospel. Next slide. We had the opportunity to go and to teach in Cuba. And as you know, Cuba's been in the news a lot lately. And I can tell you it's much worse than what you're hearing on the news. Our contacts in Cuba, some of the students we've taught, told us that they're standing in line sometimes 24 to 48 hours just for a loaf of bread. Just for a loaf of bread. They're wonderful people. They love the Lord. They're serving the Lord. They want to learn. They need our help, though. They don't have the materials that they need. They don't have the Bibles they need. They don't have the access to teachers that they need and well-educated and trained pastors that they need, but they have a great heart for the Lord. And the Assemblies of God is growing very, very quickly in Cuba. They have a very aggressive evangelistic program that will... They've actually laid it out, and I've been to their headquarters in Cuba and saw their program where a, a, a trained person is going and actually knocking on every household in Cuba, every door, every apartment, giving a personal witness of Jesus Christ, a gospel track, and an invitation to a Assemblies of God church. And because of that, the church is literally growing exponentially in Cuba. And so we have a desperate need to train more pastors and get them more materials so that they can win that nation for Jesus Christ. Next slide. This is a picture from the Ukraine. I just was in the Ukraine a month ago, Susan and I, teaching a wonderful group of some 30 students from several different denominations. And I've got to go to Ukraine three times to teach and I'm telling you, the church is growing, but the pastors are hungry for education. They're hungry for materials, and, and materials that's printed in either Ukrainian or Russian are, are very hard to come by. And so we do everything we can to help them and to get them the Bibles they need and the materials that they need so that we can train their pastors and win Eastern Europe for Jesus Christ. In that last class I taught, not only did we have several different denominations, but we had several missionaries who were working into the Soviet Union, or into what used to be the Soviet Union, Russia, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, all down into Southern Europe. Many people who were preaching the gospel, who were seeking training. And Susan and I have the wonderful opportunity to train them as we go. Next slide. Going back to Paul's text, Paul 
is really saying that these false teachers are going to take the good things that God has given us, such as marriage and foods, and he's going to call them evil things and say that they're things to be rejected in their twisting of Scripture. When you think about the governments in northern Asia, the governments in Cuba, and what used to be the governments in Ukraine, and still in parts of what was the former Soviet Union, they're twisting Scripture the same way. They will say that it's evil. They, they will say that somehow you, you can't be Christian. Particularly in Asia, they will say Christianity is a, a Western religion. We're Eastern. We're, we're Buddhists. And, and church, the last time I looked, Jesus Christ is from Israel. That's not a Western nation. Christianity is the only religion, really. It's a universal religion. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And that message has to be told all over the world, to every culture, to every group. And the Great Commission is not finished. So we can't let the government's twisting of Scripture stop us from preaching the truth. We can't let the churches twisting of scripture stop us from preaching the truth you know in today's church they will twist and, and misinterpret scripture to make us think that that uh, sexual lifestyles that god does not approve of are are okay or that abusing children is okay or a whole plethora of other things that scripture has told us we can't do because we're followers of Jesus Christ. There is a godly, moral way of life that benefits us and it benefits society. And God really, when he says, don't do that, what he's really saying is don't hurt yourself. You're destroying yourself with sin. Do it my way and it'll bring you life. So we can't let the church destroy us. We can't let the church twist scripture. We can't let governments twist scripture. We have to preach the truth. We have to teach the truth. Next slide. In our day, the, the lies that are often preached spread faster than they ever did before. Have you ever noticed when you have a little child and see so many beautiful young kids around here, you don't have to teach them to lie. You don't have to teach them to backsass you. They just learn all that stuff automatically. You're doing your best to teach them another way, but the, the, the sinful things, they just learn on their own. And it's the same way with governments and with churches. We have to be intentional about our godly lifestyle. We have to be intentional about doing what God wants us to do. We can't let the government teach us differently. We can't let false teachers teach us differently. Because those lies spread fast as wildfire because of the internet and the electronic age we live in. If I said something that was in error this morning, it could be around the world because of Facebook and other social media almost instantly. Because of that, Christians, you need to know your Bible. You need to know the truth. And the only way you're going to personally know it and personally learn it is by spending time in the Word of God personally. Next slide. This is a picture of Susan and I with a graduation of Global University students 
about the last time that we were able to have in-person graduations before COVID. This particular graduation, Susan was one of the keynote speakers. She was the uh, associate dean for the School for Evangelism and Discipleship in Global University. And in that particular school, it's an evangelism and discipleship curriculum that has today more than two million students worldwide studying that particular set of curriculum. Pastors are being trained all over the world with that curriculum. As a matter of fact, as you'll see in the left-hand corner of that slide, in India alone in the last 10 years, there's been 30,000 churches planted and 30,000 pastors trained for those 30,000 churches just from that curriculum alone. In a, in a land that has over a billion people, we now have 30,000 more churches than we did 10 years ago. Next slide. Many of you know Phil and Cheryl Neely. We had the opportunity to partner with them in their ministry down in the Sierra Madre Mountains, uh, help donate some computers, build a computer classroom so that they could take their students who were very entry-level students and train them and prepare them and help them with Christian discipleship. And I'm proud to tell you that today they've had students that started off from that little computer lab that Susan and I had a part of. And, and they've, they've grown up and matured in Christ. They've been off to Bible college. And now they've returned to the Sierra Madre Mountains. And they're preaching in churches that Phil and Cheryl have been able to build down there for the Tharamara Indians. Think about that. That's the whole mission cycle. It goes full cycle. Someone's born again filled with the Spirit of God. They begin to be discipled. And then they go off to Bible college and they're trained and prepared for ministry. And they come back and they start preaching and teaching. Someone gets saved. That's so important in today's world that we propagate the gospel, that we personally be witnesses for Christ, that we participate in the Great Commission so that our men and women around the world who don't know the Lord, but that the Lord wants to save, have an opportunity to hear the gospel message. Next slide. Paul's telling Timothy in this pas passage that I read to you that he needed to get trained in good doctrine. Avoid the old silly wives' tales, if you will. Silly myths. Training in good doctrine is so important. It helps you detect the false teacher, the, the, the person who's trying to make merchandise of you. Paul says get trained in godly living because godliness is of value in every way. Because it holds value in this life and in the life to come. Church, I want to have a good life. I do. I do, I want to have a good life, I want to have good health, I want to enjoy myself, but more than that, I want eternal life. More than that, I want to be with Jesus forever. More than that, I want that, that beatific vision, as it's called, so that we can live in paradise together with the Lord. Our hope can't be on this life only. Paul says if our hope is in this life only, we're the most miserable of all men. Put your hope on eternal life. Next slide, Guyana, South America, had the opportunity to teach many wonderful students there, even go out into the jungles of Guyana and preach and teach in some of the small churches that are there. Again, people who love the Lord, but they're very short on teachers, very short on resources. And Susan and I can help if you will help us get back 
to our teaching ministry. Next slide. Uh, this is a, a sensitive country. Uh, many of you probably recognize some of the faces in this. It's in Asia. 500,000 students from this country being taught, being prepared through global university material uh, as we work with, with Dave Reaver. And, and so many students, so much hunger around the world, so much need, and we can help meet those teaching needs. Next slide. Paul tells the tells Timothy that he's to set uh, the believers an example in that passage I read. Those Asian people that I just showed you in that slide, they studied despite persecution, despite government threats, besides being imprisoned, besides being cast out from their societies because they're not following the traditional religion. They undergo all kinds of persecution. That's a wonderful example to you and I because let's face it, we don't suffer persecution in the United States, at least not yet, because we are Christians. So Paul's telling Timothy, set the believers an example. Those people are setting us an example in their speech, in their conduct, in their love, in their faith, in their purity. Surely we can jump in with them and help them become good disciples of Jesus Christ so that then they will spread the gospel all throughout their land. Paul goes on and he says, be devoted to the public reading of scripture, uh, to exhortation and to teaching. Read the scripture publicly, church. Don't be afraid of your Bible. Don't be afraid that people know you're a Christian and that you believe and that you read the scriptures. The scripture has life-changing power. Next slide. This is Ghana, West Africa. Much like the students that we taught in South Africa for so long, they've been raised in a kind of a mixture of Christianity and Islam and paganism and animism. And it's like one big religious duck soup. But they, they've come to the Lord and they're asking to be taught and they're asking to be trained. And it takes years and years to kind of train all of that other religiosity out of them so that they serve Jesus Christ only, so that they can preach Jesus Christ, so that they know God the Father, so that they know the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Susan has called, or God has called Susan and I to do, is to go these places, teach these students, prepare them so that they'll go out and do the work of the ministry. If you want somebody to do an orphanage ministry, train some pastors, they'll do it. If you want them to do a well drilling ministry, train some pastors, they'll get it done. If you want them to feed the hungry or clothe the naked or minister to the widow, train some pastors because God's gonna put it on their heart and they're gonna go out and do that work just as he intended. And that's what God has called Susan and I to be a part of. Next slide. This is a picture of graduation ceremonies in the Philippines. Susan had the great opportunity to go to these graduations uh, that had graduated from the School for Evangelism and Discipleship. These students, look at how many of them, they're out there doing the work of the ministry in the Philippines today because of the training that they received. Next slide. The, the picture on the right is Susan and I standing in a cafe in Kaiserslautern, Germany. 
Paul and Lori Traver. Traver, many of you probably know Paul and Lori. They're Rocky Mountain District Ministries uh, missionaries invited us to come. We were able to establish a school for evangelism and discipleship at the military church there uh, that all of our servicemen attend so that any of them that wanted to be discipled or to prepare for ministry after their work in the U.S. military had the opportunity to do so. At the same time, we got to kick off a Berean School of the Bible Study Center in downtown Kaiserslautern where this photograph was taken. And then on the left, quite obviously, we're standing just outside Cairo, Egypt. Think about this with me. As I told you, I'm a native of Grand Junction, Colorado. Sue is a native of Grand Junction. I went to school in Fruta. Podunk, Fruta, Colorado. And God's got me teaching theology in Cairo, Egypt. He will take you far if you will let him. If you will trust him with your life, if you will follow the steps that he has for you, he can take an almost high school dropout from Fruita, Colorado, raise you up, give you an education. I've got an earned PhD today, and I hated school. But God had a call on my life. God had a call on Susan's life, and he took us to Cairo, Egypt, to te teach theology. Trust him, my friends. Trust him. Serve him. You will never regret it. Next slide. Paul says to keep a close watch on yourselves and what you teach. It's important what you teach. Pastor, it's important what you teach. Keep a watch on it because we want to save both ourselves and those who hear us. Church, as many of you know, with salvation, there's that moment you got saved. You repented of your sin. You accepted Christ as your Savior. You became a Christ follower. You were saved. But there's that, that time here and now, this morning, when you are being saved. You're being filled with the Spirit. You're being sanctified. You're being trained. You're becoming more like Jesus Christ. So you are being saved. And there's that great day in the kingdom of God when Jesus comes for us and he takes us to himself. We will be saved. Church, it's an ongoing process. We want you to be saved. I want to be saved. We've got to teach. We've got to preach until Jesus comes. Next slide, and as I close, pray that the Lord will give us sensitivity and wisdom. Pray that he'll give us favor with churches, favor, that he, favor with national leaders, favor with travel agencies, favor with governments so that we can get our visas as we require. Pray also, pray also that the Lord will give us the financial provision we need. We're so far short on our budget and we're ready to get back. And Susan's going to talk more of that in just a minute, and you can see us at the table after service. Susan. Next slide. Next slide, please. Sorry. Next slide. I, next slide. I'm working his iPad. You know how that is. Scary, isn't it? I hope you heard our heart this morning. I hope you heard what the journey has been like for us, and we're not done. And this journey is your journey as well. Missionaries 
answer the call, but we're all called to help fulfill the Great Commission. Some of you may not understand that. Maybe you're new believers. So I want to share briefly about the call. When the Lord puts it upon your heart to go out to a people's group, to use your gifts and talents for him, there's different organizations that you can join to become missionaries. As Assemblies of God members, we go through the Assemblies of God World Missions. We answered the call. Our district, Rocky Mountain District, approved us, and we began the journey. The first step is fundraising. As missionaries that go all over the world, and we go between 7 and 11 countries a year and teach the gospel, all of those expenses come from money that is donated to our missions account with the Assemblies of God World Missions. For us, as Rocky Mountain District missionaries, we have Colorado and Utah as our family that partners with us, and we are blessed. Can I tell you, we are very blessed. Rocky Mountain District is filled with many wonderful people who share our vision, who join our journey, and walk through it. And some of you may wonder, how can you partner with us? And I'm going to share a little bit about what faith promises are. Maybe you've never heard about this. But when missionaries come to churches, they come and they ask the church and individual people to partner with them, to share the journey, to walk the journey with them. Some of you may be extremely great prayer partners, and you say, hey, I'm your prayer partner. I've got your back. And can I tell you, we could not do without those prayers, honestly. We have walked through some very incredible times in our ministry of, I don't want to say threat, but scary times when we lived in South Africa. I was stalked that, and it, people will be killed for their cell phone. I was in a grocery store and literally got stalked in a grocery store. And fortunately, the manager knew me. He was a, a gentleman, a Greek gentleman. And I caught his attention by walking very fast by him. And ladies, you know that eye look? I gave him the eye look. And when he figured out this man was trying to uh, assault me, I made the second loop around and he pulled the man off. And you know what? I had a peace because somebody was praying for me. And God revealed later who that person was. So can I tell you, when you pray for missionaries, it works. Please pray for us. Some of you may feel called to partner with the financial need we have. As missionaries, our travel expenses, all of our ministry expenses, partners, uh, projects that we do. Many missionaries will do projects. When we were in South Africa, we fed 125 street children a meal every day we were there, in addition to being the administrators of a Bible school. That money comes in through many individuals by filling out what we call a faith promise. It's a pledge form. They're located on our table. What this is is a form that says, Lord, as you provide, I am going to partner with Doug and Susan Scott. It may be $10 a month. It may be 1000 a month. Whatever the Lord lays upon your heart, I'm going to as the Lord provides. 
Now, we understand life circumstances. Sometimes you may have something come up and you can't. It's okay. God knows your heart. I had, we had, for the first 10 years of our life, of our missionary journey, a young lady out of Salida, Colorado, who gave us $1.55 a month. Do you know what? That pledge meant so much to me, as much as some of the bigger pledges, because that young lady gave it from her heart. We later went on to sponsor her passport and sent her on her first missions trip. Can I tell you, she is serving the Lord today. She is busy in ministry today. But it was her heart of giving that opened my eyes that she had a call on her life. And I don't know if she's watching today, but Jazz, if you are, happy birthday. And we are so proud of you. For some of you, if you consider this, please let us know. Let your pastor know, too. He needs to know what your heart is. Some of you may be interested in becoming missionaries. If you are and you have questions and you want to know how to go, we were 46 years old. We were old by some people's standard, but God had a purpose for us, and we went. I would be happy to walk that journey with you. I can help you sign up. I can give you the steps on how to go through the district and the Assemblies of God World Missions. Please see me at the back. Excuse me just a second. I apologize, I'm very dry in Colorado. This is, just so you know, this is day 26 for Doug and I. We have been on a road trip, literally all the way back to the East Coast, and we drove back from uh, Missouri here yesterday. So we've gone from very humid to now very dry Colorado. So I'm like really thirsty today, so I apologize for that. But I wanna share one last thing with you. Did everyone get one of these little packets when you came in? If you didn't, please let us know. There is a blue bag on the back row there. Please help yourself get one of these. It is a prayer card and a prayer key ring. There's some candy just to sweeten up the deal. And there's a little flyer in it. And what that flyer is, is I'm asking for help. This is where projects come in. I am asking, as you spring clean, summer clean, whatever, I'm looking for jewelry. Old jewelry, new jewelry, broken jewelry, unwanted jewelry, unwanted beads, if you used to do jewelry, that kind of stuff. And what I am doing with that is I am taking that and I am making jewelry. I used to do arts and crafts shows before I became a missionary. In fact, I did them for 25 years. I actually was down here and did arts and crafts shows many times in the Durango area. So somebody mentioned, they said, do I know you? You might have. You may have bought some of my jewelry many years ago. But I put that all aside when I became a missionary until the Lord kind of tapped on my heart. And I'm going to tell you why. You heard the story that Pastor Doug, Dr. Scott, said about the people who have come to Christ. All of the curriculum that you heard about with the School for Evangelism and Discipleship is here today for purchase. It's very, very affordable. If you have never really laid a good foundation in your spiritual walk and you would like a, a very easy study but thorough study, I would recommend looking at the courses we have on the table. But I want to talk about three special books for me. This one here is called Great Questions of Life. 
It's the adult version of it. In the last 10 years, Global University has documented proof that over 2 million adults came to Christ through this book. Think about that. 2 million adults who have read this book or people have used this book and the materials in it to teach others about Christ. I personally prayed for my mom 50 years, 50, before she accepted Christ. We can never give up praying for her. And I poured everything I could into witnessing to my mom. But you know, when his timing was perfect, it was perfect. The days that she gave her life to the Lord, I almost wasn't ready, just because it happened so quickly. But can I tell you, I celebrated that. And in the next two years, I became her pastor. I took materials, and I helped her study. I baptized my own mom. I gave her her first communion. And a little over a year and a half ago, I held her hand as she entered heaven. God did a radical change in her life. And now she's celebrating, we're celebrating that she's in heaven with him. But you see, my heart is to reach the lost. Many of us have people in our family, our neighborhoods, maybe our coworkers that don't know Christ. If you've ever wanted a good book to share, this book is $6, pretty affordable. Pick it up, bless them with it, or you yourself read it. Ask them the questions that this book has. Two years ago, though, my heart really got stirred for our youth. How many of you know we're losing our young people to the world? They're following the, they're following the world. I am so impressed today to see these young people here. I don't know if you're a group, you're friends, but can I tell you, I am impressed. Thank you for being here today and listening to us. We're missionaries, we're old, I get it. But you're, you're my heartbeat. I worked on a college campus in Grand Junction. Who, who knows Mesa State College? Now it's Colorado Mesa University. I worked there for many years, 14 years to be exact. Or excuse me, I'm sorry, seven years to be exact. But during that time, God brought many young people to me, and they're hurting. And so two years ago, I said, Lord, how are we going to reach our young people? You see, Zoomers have an 18-second attention span. You guys are not Zoomers unless you're under 20. Are you under 20? Okay. So you're the, you're the Zs or the Xs. I'm not sure. I have to re look at that. But Zoomers have an eight-second second attention span. And I said, Lord, we need to reach our youth. And he said, okay. And I took the GQL for adult, and I, I contracted with an editor, I'm, a, I'm the ghost author, she's the author. I have a team of editors, graphic designers, and we came out with this book here. It's Great Questions of Life for Youth, Searching for Clues. I am praying and believing for two million youth to come to Christ in the next 10 years. And I would like to ask you to pray with me, believing that we capture youth. This book came out the end of January. We have it in four countries already. We have already received reports of young people coming to Christ through this book. And that's a lot for me to celebrate. The first email I got, honestly, I was 
praising the Lord, crying and screaming because my vision is two million a youth. This book here is called Your New Life. When a young person or an adult accepts Christ, we get this new title called Christian, but what is that? This book here helps them to understand what that commitment that they just made is all about. Who is Christ? Why should I go to church? Why should I pray? Why should I worship? Why should I share my testimony with others? These books are available, and all that jewelry that I'm making now, and hopefully you will purchase some, goes to pay for these books. My second book, which will be the youth book for Your New Life, is scheduled to be out in October. I've already got Spanish translation, German's translations, and French translations being worked on. I'm serious about reaching this world for Christ, our youth for Christ. I'm praying and asking that you will see my vision, join my journey, pray for other people. I want to thank you again for allowing us to share about our missionary journey. I would like to invite you to come back to our table, ask us any questions you have. Pastor, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.